Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Well, hello there. It's Aaron Batty, your host again. It's Sunday evening, December 26th, as I'm finishing up this episode, brought to you by 5-Minute Bible Study. I'm going to cut all the formalities that I normally have. This episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. I'm running out of time on this last week of the 2021 year, so I'm not going to have all my regular segments for this episode six. We do have a very special guest on the network that is here from a previous episode, Chance Dyer. So you'll welcome Chance in just a little bit. We're going to get talking about our main dish. We will have a main dish on Bible reading. Some Bible reading tips. This is mainly for you guys who are trying to get in the rhythm, trying to learn a thing or two. Um, If you're already an advanced Bible reader, there's some stuff here for you too, but mainly focusing on you beginning guys and girls. Then I have a very special little game that we're going to play called the King James Only. That's what I've called this special segment that's not been on previous episodes. I would like to do it on future guest episodes whenever I do have one. It's going to be called the King James Only. You'll just have to wait for that one. It's kind of a funny game that I came up with. So before going any further into all that, We're going to get to our interview with Chance Dyer. Here you go. Today we're going to talk about not alcohol. If you missed the first time Chance was on, we talked about can a Christian drink alcohol. But this time we're going to back up and talk about something that's a lot more common to man, I guess, and that is Bible reading. We're ending 2021. We're starting 2022. Maybe you're thinking about some Christian goals and whatnot. Maybe you're thinking that you really have not grown in Christ like you should this is a good place to start. And we're talking about starting. I want to ask Chance to kind of share his background, where he started when it came to Bible reading. Chance, go ahead and tell the people kind of your background on this subject. Um, yeah, go ahead. So basically, my starting point was I went from an individual who thought that they were a Christian and never read their Bible, period never opened it up, never looked, never questioned what people told me about the Bible or anything to someone who strives to read their Bible every day and and has been pretty consistent with that. I think a lot of that started when I just decided I was going to pick my Bible up and start reading it a little bit. I saw, you know, a few things here and there that I guess I would have to say people took out of context, you know. I noticed that different passages that people would bring up kind of seemed to have different meaning than what they actually actually meant once I got to read my Bible. Okay, so pretty different background from me. Um, that's why I like these interviews with Chance. We could not have been from different backgrounds. From the very time that I took my first breath, you know, my parents did family Bible reading, so I had heard the Bible before I even, you know, could even read or knew what words were, I guess. Um, so I started from a pretty young age, and from that time... Um, it was just kind of built into me, like this is so important. But for you, I guess, kind of a different, kind of a different background, huh? Yeah, it definitely was a different background. Not that I never had, I had people that read the Bible to me occasionally, but it was never anything that took main priority in my life. So, with that being said about priorities, Bible reading, all that, I want to read a couple of passages, just kind of set the framework for our discussion. Um, what does the Bible say about Bible reading? The first passage doesn't really talk about Bible reading per se, 
But I think it proves the point of why this spiritual endeavor is important to our godly growth. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Paul is talking to Timothy, young evangelist, working with a church in Ephesus, and says, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of a life that now is and of that which is to come. I like reading this passage when talking about spiritual priority because the first thing right off the gate, he says, is bodily exercise profits. He does say that, but then he follows that up with a little. In comparison to that, he says, but godliness is profitable for all things. And so Paul's making the point that, yes, there's physical endeavors in life that are, they do have some profit, they do have some meaning, but they do not hold a flame to spiritual uh, growth, to, to spiritual exercise, I guess if you want to use the illustration that Paul uses. So in this case, Bible reading, a spiritual exercise, physical bodily exercise doesn't hold a flame to that. And if you're going to ask yourself, where do I make my gains? This is where I tell people this. It comes with Bible reading. That's like your A, B, C of spiritual growth. It's where you start off. Another passage I think is important to kind of set the tone for why this discussion on Bible reading is in Revelation chapter 20. And this might seem like kind of an odd place to go to, but just follow along with me. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 and 12 is what I want to read about. This is at the end time judgment. Jesus is ready to judge the earth. Then John saw, then I saw, John says, a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. I like this chapter right here, this, this verse, because it shows that your life depends on reading the Bible. I mean, really, if you make the application, your life depends on it. At the end of time, your works, he specifically says, are going to be compared with the things written in the books, which certainly have to include the standard of God's written revelation to man, the Bible. And so, you know, if I'm ask, if somebody were to ask me, uh, Aaron, where do I need to start growing spiritually? I, I call it your T. You know, we've talked about this, me and you have talked about kind of what your, your T is. And by that illustration, I mean baseball players, the most basic practice that you can carry out as a hitter is to hit off of a tee. You know, they have tee ball. That's where kids, that's a kid's league, right? Because that's where you start. If you can hit a ball off a tee, then eventually one day you can hit home runs. But you can't hit home runs if you don't start off a tee. And even professional baseball players, they hit off a tee regularly because it's about fundamentals. So I call Bible reading RT, and this is where you got to start if you want to make your your gains. Yeah, just going back to when you were talking about the passage in Timothy, I think reading your Bible daily is so important because a lot of people rely solely on learning and get their edification from the sermons that are taught on on Sundays. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. But I've found out that generally speaking, I think about ninety to ninety five percent of the learning on scriptures that I do throughout the week comes Monday through Saturday, you know, and that's just from spending time in God's word and studying on my own. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, what are the chances that you and me agree on something? So from here, you know, people come to me a lot and I get the impression that they come to you a lot too. I get this kind of from our phone conversations and texting back and forth that uh, people ask you, where do I start reading my Bible? You know, I've changed my answer specifically to that question, quite a bit over the years. 
I might share my thoughts on it, but I really want to focus on your answer to that question first. So where do you tell people to start reading their Bible? What do you think is a good starting place? Well, as a person who didn't know the answer to this question themselves, I knew when I very first decided that I was going to start reading my Bible, I knew that there was a gospel of John. And so for me, that's where I started. I That was the only book that I knew was a gospel. And I knew that that was the climax. That's where Jesus, Jesus was in the gospels. So that's what I was interested in learning about initially. And I think that's a good place for people to start. I mean, if you're wanting to know the, I guess if you could call it the climax of the Bible, I mean, Jesus is what we base our faith on, then the Gospels is a good starting place. But it's hard to say just one specific starting spot because now that I've read the entire Bible, I mean, you see Jesus sprinkled all throughout Scripture. Even in Genesis, Jesus is is foretold of or prophesied of in the beginning. So I think more importantly, people get bogged down because they don't know where to start but I think more importantly, what we need to worry about is just getting started and diving in. Um, some some parts of the Bible are going to be easier to read than others. However, you just got, I mean, like Nike, you just got to do it. I think that's the easiest thing to say. That's a pretty good one. I don't like to mince Nike with uh, discussions on the Bible, given Nike's recent social agendas. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe they got something there. That's a good point that you made about Jesus being sprinkled all through the Bible and not really having a good place to start. Uh, me personally, I've recommended people starting in Genesis at times, and then I see people dying out right around end of Exodus, beginning of Leviticus. By the end of the first five books, somewhere in there, most people are going to give out. I mean, can you speak to that? Yeah, definitely the first time going through a lot of a lot of that, I just saw like, it seemed like list, like tedious list that I was reading. And I didn't understand initially what all that was for. Like, why do I have to know all these dimensions of the of Noah's Ark? Why do I have to know all these dimensions of the tabernacle? What is the importance of this? And it wasn't until later, and I kind of not forced myself, but, but reassured myself that there was a purpose that all of this was in God's Word. Because people so often, they ask all these questions like, this question from Genesis 4 and 15 that somebody asked me from the other day, it reads, And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. And it was just the simple question of, of who are all these other people that they're, that they're referencing that would kill Cain? Why don't we know more information about that? Why don't we have anything else written about that? And I always try to tell people when it comes to reading the Bible that it's not an all-inclusive book of history, but rather it's God laying out his plan of salvation to us so that we can understand how he plans on carrying that out. And so keeping that in mind when we're reading through our Bible, even though there's these parts of the Bible that are tedious and that we don't understand initially, I kind of think of it as, you know, when you go and you get your eyes tested, at first before you get glasses, it's, it's blurry. It's, you know, your vision's very blurry and you can't see the picture very well. But once, you know, the doctor goes in there and he starts flipping all those different eyeglasses down, the picture becomes clearer and clearer as you look, you know, as you keep looking at the eye chart or whatever. I think that's a good illustration of the eyeglasses. So long story short, I think I'm back with you on recommending people start in the Gospels. That's where, you know, 
most of the men that I've respected, men and women, have recommended in years past, uh, have people start in the Gospels. I toyed around with it some, and uh, you know, I think long term, if you read your Bible and you're just doing uh, devotional parsing of verses here and there, and that's all you're getting, there's something wrong. That's not real Bible reading. That's not real Bible study. You're not going to get anywhere in terms of understanding the Bible really fast that way, or ever, maybe. If you start in Genesis, you know, you're taking a, a crutch, you know, because you're going to get bogged down probably pretty quickly. You need to start somewhere that you're going to be able to read it easily and uh, really make some progress and feel accomplished so that you can then later have some understanding and motivation to take on the thicker parts that are a little more tedious, like Leviticus. But all in all, you know, there's lots of different advice we could go into but back to back to you, Chance. You know, so you tell people start in the Gospel of John. It's your short-term goal. That's your place where you tell them to go to. Uh, where from there? I wouldn't necessarily say that I would recommend specifically John, but rather go and start at the Gospels themselves. The first the first Gospel that we have, reading from chronological order, is the Book of Matthew, and. I didn't know that that was even a gospel until I Google searched it on the internet. This is just the limited amount of knowledge that I had when I started. So I would say go and start and start reading all four of your gospels. And then I think a good idea from there would go ahead and be to read Acts as well. I think that's a another great book that's pretty easily understood that people probably won't get bogged down from. And then I would say go ahead and, and jump back to Genesis. I know this is a crazy all over the place, but I think that's a good initial starting six books right there. Yeah, and it depends on your mastery of reading. You know, if you're a beginning reader, I know some people that they have very little education, like they didn't even graduate high school. And obviously not everybody's the same. So if somebody didn't graduate high school, then it's going to take them a lot longer to get from Matthew through John than it is for for you or I. So, I, you know, definitely take that in consideration. But what you said, I, I think, is a pretty good starting place. I would agree. With you saying that, by no stretch of the imagination am I some great scholar or anything. I would say as far as reading comprehension goes, you know, I'm a pretty pretty average guy. And this is a hard thing for me to do myself is, is, read, is consistently reading my Bible because other than my Bible, I absolutely hate reading. I don't, I don't read anything else. Aaron has been trying to get me for a, for some time now to, you know, branch out and, and read other Christian-based books. And I'm, I'm still having a hard part doing that, hard part growing, because for me, reading is such a, a stretch initially. Now, don't get me wrong. I do love reading my Bible, and I'm, I'm pretty consistent on reading it every day. But it's, it's something that I have to constantly continue to work with myself for is because I struggle just like every other person with, with reading my Bible. Thanks for saying that because people, they look at me a lot of times and they, they act like I'm somebody I'm not, for one. Like I'm not a scholar. Um, I'm not as smart as some people think that I am. Not that everybody thinks I'm smart. A lot of people don't. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, average people uh, can do this. Somebody commented to John MacArthur. I, I heard him say this recently. John MacArthur, you're so smart. You know the Gospel of John better than anybody I know. And he said, well, it's because I've read it 90 times. And the people that you think are really smart, they put in the work. It's not like they just woke up one day and you know they're spewing all of this knowledge that they have. It's because they read it 90 times. So people can do it. You're an average person. You can do this. 
And I'm with you, man. A lot of times I wake up and I don't, I don't want to read my Bible, but you just grind through it. It's about grit. Yeah, I think a lot of it does boil down to grit. But something else that I found that keeps me encouraged, I'm not saying by any means that this is a substitute for reading your Bible, but I do think this helps me in staying encouraged to read my Bible, is I go and I listen to sermons and podcasts like Let the Bible Speak or uh, Pure and Simple or Aaron's 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. I listen to things like that. And that gets me encouraged and motivated. And then from there, I, I don't have as much trouble getting in God's word because I want to further my relationship with God and come to know him more and more. I can relate to that. There's a preacher study every year in Oklahoma City. I didn't go this year, but every year that I do go, you go out there, you listen to all these great Bible students present on these topics, and you're just like, wow, uh, I'm ready to go and study my Bible and get a sermon up on Revelation or, or whatever they talked about. You know, you're like, you're motivated. It gets your blood pumping. And, and uh, yeah, so definitely I, c- I can attest to that. Okay, so we got away from what we were talking about a little bit there. So back on point, talking about going back to the book of Genesis after you read the Gospels and the book of Acts. And just for any of you listening, you know, like I said, I don't know that I have just a rigid plan that I give people. You know, what Chance recommended there, I would agree that's a good plan. Uh, There's a lot of good plans. I don't know that there's one plan that is the golden standard that you cannot depart from. You know, I recommend people read through the whole New Testament, but I like reading through the Gospels and Acts too. So if you're going to do that, you can't go wrong. Eventually, you need to make it back to the Old Testament because you need to read your Old Testament. If, you know, if you've read... I like the way that Nathan Davis put it on Wednesday night. He was talking about the priesthood in the Old Testament. He said there's so many things in the Old Testament that build up to the Gospels. And if you were to just start reading the Gospels, it's like you got the, the climax of a movie, but you didn't read the, or watch the first hour or whatever that led up to that climax. And that's a pretty good comparison. So if you never read the Old Testament, you're never really going to make full sense of this climax in the Gospels and what follows. With that being said, back in the book of Genesis, you know, the first five books of Moses, those are tough to get through. You can get through them. You need to get through them. They have a lot of meaning into them. They're not going to make sense the first time. But make manageable goals. Just try to get through the first five books. Don't try to get through all 39 of the Old Testament books at first. Just get through the first five uh, and go from there. But there's some other stuff that goes into it, too. I think, Chance, you might want to say something about that. Yeah, I think a big mistake that a lot of people make initially is trying to completely 110% understand everything that they've read from the beginning of the Bible to the end. When I, I knew that I, like, people would talk about biblical characters and I did not even know existed. And so my goal when I set out to do this, to read my Bible, I wanted to read my Bible like I watched a movie through for the first time. There's a lot of details, like one of my favorite movies, this is going to be funny, but is The Wizard of Oz. But the very first time I watched The Wizard of Oz, I knew the main plot line, what happened from you know beginning to end. But then every time I've watched it since then, I've noticed small little details that I never noticed the first time. So don't expect yourself to see every single of those small little details the very first time you're reading it through. When you read through, I read... Like I told you, I started in the Gospels, started in John, went back to Matthew, read through the Gospels a couple times, went to Acts. Then I jumped back to Genesis, and I started reading Genesis, and I read the first five books. Well, then I got really bogged down. Because I mean, just 
completely bogged down. And I was kind of discouraged. And I was like, I'm not ever going to be able to finish this if this is what all the Bible is like. So you know what I did? Instead of quitting, I said, I'm going to go back to my New Testament. So I went and jumped back to my New Testament, completed my whole New Testament. And I was feeling a lot more encouraged and invigorated. And then I went back to my Old Testament, picked up from where I left off. And I had absolutely no trouble. And if there was something that I really, really enjoyed, like the first time I read the book of Ecclesiastes, I think I read it eight times just because I really enjoyed it. And it was really encouraging me at that point in time. And then I I continued forward from there. So I think everybody builds these strict barriers in their mind that this is how it's got to be done. I have to read from Genesis through Revelation. There ain't no other way to do it. And then they end up stopping and failing. And that's the only time that you're going to fail is when you just completely stop. So be, you know, it's important to get your whole Bible read, but the Bible to begin with isn't in chronological order. So it doesn't necessarily hurt for you to jump around, you know, sometimes. I like that point you made about it not being in chronological order to begin with. And uh, I think that's your greatest point of proof right there what you just recommended. Another thing that makes Bible reading easier, especially in the Old Testament, is Bible translations. So choosing the right Bible, which I talked about this in the last episode. You can go back and watch episode five. But you know, what, what's your thoughts on how that makes or breaks your Bible reading and, and your goals? Well, I think for a lot of people, I mean, I don't know very many people that today they read the King James, like the old King James. And it's because for us today, speaking modern English, it's hard for us to read and understand that. And when it's something that you're you're reading a lot of and it's just terribly hard, it it sucks all the joy out of it, period. And so rather than trying to force yourself to read the old King James or something, for me it's the ESV. A lot of people enjoy that Bible translation. I don't understand it whatsoever. I can read my the NASB, the New King James Version, and understand those better than I can the ESV. But honestly, for me, I do a lot of my my Bible reading out of the CSB because that's something that is easier for me to understand, and I enjoy reading that more because it's not like I'm I'm killing myself or pulling teeth just to read a passage and try to you know figure out what it says. Now, whenever I come to a passage and I have questions about it, I always have multiple Bible translations that I refer back to because I think that's important, especially when you're studying. And I think another point that's important to bring up right here is you don't have to go for gold your very first day. You don't have to read 10 chapters of the Bible. A lot of what I do is I'll read a few passages And then I'll meditate on that because I believe meditating on God's word is vitally important as well, you know. So I will read a few passages, maybe a couple chapters a day, really just what I'm feeling like that day. And then I spend the rest of my day, I like to read early to where I can use the rest of my day to meditate on what I've read and pray about it. And I think that helps a lot. So speaking of that, I'm glad you brought up the Christian Standard Bible overall. What do you think about that translation? Because I I brought it up in the discussion on Bible translation theory and all that last time. I'm going to plan on reading through it myself next year from Alpha to Omega. But so far, how much have you read from that? And what what are your initial thoughts? I mean, you kind of just shared your hand just now. I would say I've read maybe half of the Old Testament and half of the New Testament in, in the CSB. 
And I think it I think it's great. I think it's a very easy to read translation, very understandable. I haven't noticed any major flaws, you know, in it so far. I think any Bible translation that we read, some things could be worded better or differently. But overall, I feel like it's a really good Bible translation. Well, I'm excited to read, you know, every word of it. Take some uh, notes where I see uh, I prefer the translation or it seems to miss the mark on the original languages and so forth. That, that'll be a good exercise. A couple of things that I think are helpful are, now these are two things that you can take into consideration, tips for your Bible reading to help you stay engaged and increase understanding. One is there is a, well, there's a lot of resources that give you introductions to books of the Bible. Now, one that's very simple that anybody can understand, I feel like, is the Bible Project. And if you were to uh, go and look up the Bible Project, it can be found on the YouVersion app. It can be found on YouTube. It can be found on its own website, thebibleproject.com. And you can watch overviews uh, and introductions to books before you read the book. And I like that feeling it gives you before you read the book. If it's an intimidating book like Deuteronomy, that's, man, you don't really have any idea what's in the book. It's just a lot of laws, and it scares you. Well, this makes you feel like you understand the book before you go into it. So it takes away a lot of that pressure and fear and hesitation. Uh, that's a good resource for if you're a first-time reader especially. And then me, I've done a couple of years where I'll read introductions from different books that give introductions to the Bible. I'll read the introduction to the book before I read the, the book itself. I did that this very morning. And it always pays off. Like not every book overview is good, but it always helps me better understand some aspect of that book, especially after I finish reading the book and looking for those things in the reading. Do you have any, any things like that, that that you do, Chance? Oh, most definitely. I don't remember if you were the one that recommended it to me or I found it on my own, but the Bible Project is awesome. It's it gives you the context that you need to read through a book of the Bible. And I feel like that's extremely important, especially for first-time readers, because I think a lot of people make the mistake of they're reading a book like Corinthians, and they're trying to take everything that they read and directly apply it to themselves rather than read it in the context of that it's written to the Corinthians. And you'll get very confused and bogged down by things if you're reading it like everything directly applies to you rather than to these people in this time frame. Now, I'm not saying that you can't learn from that, but rather that you can you can learn even if it doesn't directly apply to you. It's a letter written to them by Paul. Another thing that I'm going to try this next year, I just heard this recently, and it's really exciting for me, but it's kind of it's going to be one of those things that's exciting up front, and then it's going to get really tough to actually practice it. I'm going to put this out there for all of you. You all can think about this. John MacArthur, who I've mentioned his name already, and I read and listen to some of the things that he says. He's a very hardcore Calvinist. I don't agree with a lot of what he says, but he's very good on expository preaching methods and Bible study methods and so forth, I've, I've found. And he, he said, if you want to learn the Bible and you want to learn a book of the Bible especially, choose a book and read it through every day for a whole month. Now, he didn't mean like books like Luke that have really long chapters and it's 24 chapters to begin with. The book of 1 John is five chapters. It's about six pages in my Bible. Read that through every day for a month, 30 days, and then make flashcards writing down the key theme of each chapter. 
uh, reviewing that after each day's Bible reading. And he said, by the end of 30 days, you will know the content of that book. And you will know, you know exactly where something is, even if it's not by the very verse, but by where it's at on the page, <laughs> just from having been so familiar with it. And by two and a half years, you can get through the entire New Testament by breaking up larger books. And so I'm going to start trying that this next year. We'll see how it goes. I'll report back to y'all. But there's lots of different Bible reading techniques, tools, methods that you can go about, approaches to reading the Bible. And one of the things that I like to do is compare Bible reading and Bible study and spiritual growth to bodily exercise, like Paul does. One of the things I notice, some of the videos I watch on different exercises and how to increase you know, your um, longevity and so forth is, is varying things up. And your muscles, they'll develop memory. And sometimes they just need to be broken up and that memory jarred a little bit by throwing a wrench in the routine to help those muscles really grow. And I think that's the same thing. It applies directly to your spiritual growth. If you get in ruts, sometimes you got to mix up the meal plan. I think that's good. I think something that also can be beneficial to people if they're having a real hard time understanding the Bible and stuff is, is audio Bible. If it's something that I've read a couple times or... I generally listen to audio Bible every day. I do that as I as I commute, just as a thing that I do. But if you're having trouble reading and understanding a, a passage or a book of the Bible, go back. Repetition, like Aaron was talking about a while ago. If you're if you wake up and you read a, a chapter, and you're like, man, I just didn't really understand that, and you've from that point, you know, you've watched the Bible overview or whatever, try to use tools, and you're still not understanding. Listen to your audio Bible. Listen to that chapter while you're commuting back and forth. The The repetition of it will help you understand it. So when you go back and you see it again, maybe that'll be the, that breaks things up for you. I mean, that's just the suggestion. And obviously different suggestions come with different levels of understanding. So, you know, I do want to throw in one disclaimer, like don't do that 30 day program that I was talking. If you've never even read your Bible, um, this is obviously, that's a little bit more of an advanced approach, but we've given you several different approaches. We've given you several different tips. And in the future, here's a preview for the next five minute Bible series. There will be one coming out soon called how to study the Bible. And in that we'll incorporate some of the very same Bible reading tips that I've brought up in this episode. And then specifically Bible study approaches, tips, methods, and so forth. So there will be more content on this in the future, but I pray that you can take what we've discussed today and, you know, put it to practice. I hope it's practical, and I hope that you can find something useful in it. I want to go back and look at that passage again that you read in Revelation, if we can. We're back at Revelation 20, and we're going to read 11 and 12. Then I saw a great white throne, him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written. So just the when I read through that, that makes me think of like a test that I'm going to take in college or high school or whatever. If I'm being judged by what is written, let's say written, if you're taking a test over, you know, Old Yeller or something like that, and you haven't read the book at all, you know, if you think you're going to cliff note it or whatever, obviously, most of the time, nine times out of ten, you're not going to perform very well on that test. And so if I'm going to be judged on what's written in the Bible, 
I want to at least know, you know, what what standard I'm supposed to be trying to meet. If I don't read my Bible, there's no way for me to figure out what that standard is. There's no way of me. I don't really see a an easy way of passing that test if I don't even know what I'm supposed to be studying. Um, another passage that I'd like to read is in Matthew. If I ha- if we haven't um, encouraged you to read your Bible and showed you just the importance of it yet, I hope that this passage will kind of nail that down for you. Matthew, we're going to start in verse, Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start in, in verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So from that passage, we can see, just like the devil did, that people can use and abuse the scriptures. And so if this is something that you're really interested in and you're you're looking to be a Christian and a good a good Christian at that, you're not gonna want to be deceived by by people abusing God's word. And how are you gonna be able to you know stand your ground and know when someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes if you don't know God's word? So I think that's one reason that it's so vitally important to read God's Word and know it, and know it in context, because if you don't, you'll just easily be deceived. Good last words of wisdom there. Can't uh, say anything about what you just said. That's the Word of God. Always give people the Word of God, as my papa used to say, because they can argue with you, but they can't argue with Scripture. Good little points. I hope that that is a nice wrap to our discussion on Bible reading. Hang on, we're not done yet. There will be one last segment coming up next. I told you we weren't done yet. Um, before we get done here, we're not going to have the full segment like we had told from the very beginning, but I do have this new segment called the King James Only. And this may be a recurring segment when I do interviews with people. Chance is going to ask me a question, and I'm going to have to answer in King James Only vernacular, obviously affecting the personal pronouns and the articles mostly. And then same thing, I'm going to ask Chance a question, and he's going to answer me in King James vernacular. And I think this will be helpful based off of the conversation that we just had about Bible reading, how obviously it's difficult to understand old translations like the, the King James, the um, original American Standard, those these and thou type of translations. So hopefully you can see that if you're used to growing up reading those translations, other people aren't. And this is why it would be difficult. So let's get going. I'm going to ask Chance about... Okay, so it's coming up on the new year, and I'm going to be going to the new year meeting in Brookhaven, Mississippi here pretty soon, like today, and I want to ask you to answer to me in King James English about your first New Year's meeting experience in Dothan, Alabama two years ago, I think it was. There thou stoodest among the multitudes in the land of Dothan, seeing the multitudes for the first time there, many thoughts rushed into the mind. Though I was there with Brother Aaron... Nervousness crept over me. Thy mind was racing and traveling. (laughs) This is hard. Uh. Eventually, thy mind was calmed and put to ease by prayer and supplication. (laughs) Eventually, getting to know many new friends, thou spent some quality time with the brotherhood. 
the overall feeling of this was good. <laughs> I'm not, I, I will have to go back and, and review to see if the these and the thous were used appropriately, but I thought that was a pretty good swing at it, the, the multitudes and the, and the um, crowds and all that. Uh, I got to revisit now how I was going to answer your question. Go ahead and ask me what, what was your question. I was going to ask you, what was your most memorable moment as a Braves fan? Oh, uh, yeah. So if you don't know already, I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. Go Braves 2021 World Series champions, by the way. Anyway, so let me let me think here. I'll tell you all what this is about. I, I met Jeff Rancourt one time, who was my biggest Braves playing idol when I was a kid. So I'm going to tell this story. We went to the uh, SunTrust Park in the far, far away land of Atlanta, Georgia. I rode a, a donkey with Wayne Wilds and Jesse Wilds, um, and, and we, and we, <laughs> I don't even know, and we satist below the radio booth uh, to watch many a men battle uh, below us in the valley of Jehoshaphat. There was there was much clashing of swords and blood spilled. On our departure later that eve, we met in the parking lot the greatest Atlanta Brave hero of my ancient past, Jeff Rancour. My lips went numbest. Uh <laughs> I stood aghast and amazed at his clotting feet. I was so scared that when I approached this great man of valor, I told us to him, I have your picture on my wall. I have that picture on my wall. <laughs> he did us not slappest me. He asked me if I would take a picture with him. And we did. Amen. <laughs> Whew, that was pretty tough. I tell you, all that was off the fly. That was all um, spontaneous, impromptu. So I, I think that was a success. So overall, what are you, what's your rating on this segment? Uh, 9.9. 9.9. Okay, very good. Well, that's going to put a wrap on this segment. It's going to put a wrap on this episode. Sorry for not a full episode this week, but uh, that's just the way it is. Coming up on the last week of the year is really busy. So next year, look for more content coming from this podcast. If you have any ideas, you have anything that you want to hear about, submit them to me on the Facebook page, the Instagram page, any page that you can find me on, and we'll get her done. I'll see you next time on the 5-Minute Bible State Podcast.